Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. So this is an interview with Queenie June Boardman, and she was a fabulous guest. We talk about periods, menstruation, uh, what she went through with that, how she felt during that era of her life of losing her period. We talk about extreme hunger and the difference between extreme hunger and a binge and her experience with that, which I thought was fascinating and just so many things. So definitely stay tuned for the interview. But also, I'm actually on Queenie's podcast tomorrow, be released on her podcast, which is the I Am Stuffed podcast. And I'm following her on Instagram. You can find her there as well. So just go check her out and stay tuned for my interview as well with her. But I love this interview and I hope you guys like it too. I'll let you guys listen. Okay, bye. Hello, guys. I am here with a very special guest. She reached out to me a little while ago, and we've been planning this for a bit before Christmas, so I'm excited. Um, and let me pull this up because I have a lot to say about her. Um, so she is Queenie June Boardman, and she's a registered dietitian and a personal trainer with a lot of background from Amsterdam, Netherlands. It's like later her time, so I'm grateful for her to be here with me. And she is the owner of I Am Stuffed, which is also her podcast name, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So she's also a podcaster, but she's owner of I Am Stuff, which is a um, online dietitian practice. So you can go there for membership-based um, plans, which is amazing. And she helps a lot of different people meet their nutritional needs correctly. Like I was just talking to her before this, and she helps so many different types of people. Very. She's an expert in eating disorders and um, menstrual things as well. So just very well versed. Very excited to talk to her. And yeah, so thank you, Queenie, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So tell us your background just a little bit. Like, what just would you... a little bit, in a nutshell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> eight years of background in a nutshell, I'm going to try. Only two minutes. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, I am Queenie June Borgman. I'm 25 years old. And just like um, you stated, I'm a registered dietitian and I'm an... PT of the NSCA and my story actually begins in 2012. I just wanted to lose a few pounds and somehow that escalated mm. in something way more and I eventually got an eating disorder. I got menstrual problems. Um, I was like, oh my God, you know, I just got the whole 10, everything, the full blown package of extreme hunger, binge eating, just you name it. And I got it. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot live like this anymore. Uh, so I went to a dietitian somewhere in 2000, end of 2015 or beginning of 2016. And we worked a little bit together on, you know, fixing my health. And uh, initially I came there for my period problems because that was something that like really hit me. Uh, although, you know, you look feminine, everything, that part of my feminine organ that was not working, that uh, kind of broke me. And that's why I actually went to the dietitian. And eventually she helped me gain weight and other stuff. I did have a relapse back then as well. And the thing that stuck with me because at some point I didn't start that much anymore was how much she helped me in such a short time and how much I gained my confidence back again in my body and my capabilities. So because of that, I started to um, eventually go back to school again because I had a gap year and I chose to become an 
dietitian. I did already some years before in 2012 uh, signed in for that, but I wasn't able to go because I was too late. And in these four years, I fixed my health, fixed my period, have a normal relationship with food, a healthy relationship with food, if I may say, and became a personal trainer. And now I am graduated for like almost a year. And I help people out with all things what a dietitian can do, chronic diseases, uh, gaining weight, losing weight, you name it. Mm-hmm. Wow. You actually did a really good job of summing up eight years in a nutshell. It was really good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to go through there. And I love how it's so common, but uh, when you have such an issue, then so you get help from that industry, then you're like, how do I get in this industry? So I help more people love that. Cause like we're both in similar situations. It's like coaching helped me. And I'm like, okay, how do I now become a coach now that I'm through this? Yeah. So um, I'd love to ask, let's just like jump into the meat of it. Um, you help a lot of people, but the the period thing. I didn't think about the fact that not only is there a bunch of health issues related to not having um, menstruation, but I didn't think about how it affected, you know, your mental health. What was that like for you not having a period? Well, uh, just like I stated before, and I know maybe it sounds very exaggerated, but for me at least, although I could put lipstick on, I could wear the dresses, I could put the heels on, but I just didn't feel like a woman anymore because of not having my period and of course mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of women that cannot have a child or do not have a period and it doesn't mean you're not women but back then uh, that wasn't my mindset back then so I was like broken that I didn't have it anymore and I was even more broken because I did it to myself it wasn't something that came from you know nature and that I wasn't able to do it I just broke it down and I was kind of panicking because you know how am I going to build that up again Mm -hmm. so I think in 2014 around 2014 I lost my period and eventually I have been self-studying the last six years uh, about you know what does it need to get a healthy period what are factors co-factors that are related to that Uh, does the cyclist you know work and uh, how especially with eating disorders or people with low weight uh, what you know what do you need to do to get that back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a shame that like, not only were you struggling, if you don't have a period, like again, health issues are going on, but then, mm-hmm. um, you know, even the way, I guess you could say it was your fault. You were like adding that shame layer, like, oh, it's all my fault. And it's like, well, you didn't purposefully try to lose your period. You're just going through a really rough time. It's, I can imagine a lot of people have that similar mindset when that happens. Yeah. They're like, I did this to myself. The thing was that with that, like losing a few pounds um, or going to, and go like obsessively go and exercise, the last thing that I was expecting was losing my period. It's something that was so normal for like maybe for most ladies, you know, I get my period around 11, 12 or you name it. And it's always there. And now out of nowhere, it's gone. So that's something that was not even something that would cross my mind back then that that would be correlated with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I know you can't like put years and years worth of knowledge into this podcast, but what are some first steps someone could take to get their period back? Well, uh, for me personally, I work with the imagination pillars. And that is that if you want a healthy period, uh, you need to look at your sleep, you need to look at your stress, you need to look at your mindset, your nutrition, 
and your movement. And those five are very important if you want to have a healthy period. And what do you need to look at? For example, sleeping less, that's something that has to do with hormones as well. If they're off, mostly people have bad sleep, but mm -hmm. try to get as much as possible, you know, rest in. When it comes to stress management, stress doesn't do anything good for the body, you know, but no. try to, to keep that uh, at bay, keep it low. When it comes to mindset, if you're very obsessively busy with getting your period back and you're looking into your panties every day, it's not going to come. <laughs> if, if you are like, I am never going to get it back. Well, that's not a good mindset either. Uh, you need to nourish yourself every day, but don't make it your like second job. Mm -hmm. So that's very important. And when it comes to nutrition, fats, carbs, eating enough calories, definitely those fats and carbs, they are uh, very much correlated with having a good period. And when it comes to training, even when you have a healthy weight, if you overstress your body, you still can lose your period. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I think people forget that, especially if they're, they're at that healthy weight. So like, this shouldn't be happening to me. Mm -hmm. It's fine, right? And yeah. stress is a huge factor. I love that you said the mindset thing too, because I see it with my own clients in bulimia recovery. I want them to focus on it, right? But I don't mm -hmm. want it to, if you're only thinking about bulimia recovery, it's just like, it's making it more likely for it to keep on happening because that's the yeah. only thing in your life. So it's, you know, same with periods. If you're like stressing out about it, it's not going to help make them happen. It might make it worse, which is interesting. And that yeah. is causing stress. So yeah, well, um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Basically, just change your whole life. <laughs> but, well, it sounds very like bashing, but actually it was that way, you know? If I look back at myself five years ago uh, in comparison to now, it is a definitely, it's a new person. It's like a new birth because I cannot imagine to go back again and be like that because I had like 70 or 80 hours work shifts a week. So I would be up at six and be be done at nine in the evening so no definitely not and uh, our bodies are not machines so you cannot keep it up on having that you know go 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 efficiency because uh, believe it or not but not doing anything can be so efficient sometimes that you can take that energy and do the things you want in much smaller time mm -hmm. so yeah like yeah, I, I cannot even imagine being that anymore no, sometimes you look back and you're like, how did I get through that? And oh, yeah. um, also, yes, I once I took a better approach to, I never had any issues with like losing my period, but when I took a better approach to my time management and actually blocked off large chunks of time where I didn't do anything, um, mm -hmm. my mental health increased tenfold and I'm way more productive during the times I have to work because I know that I have that other time. And it's like, this is the time, yeah. this is the only time, let's do this. And then you also have the luxury of resting because you're not a machine. So definitely, I love that. Um, I'm sorry guys, it's kind of like rapid fire questions but I have a lot of questions for Queenie. <laughs> um, okay, so um, periods, we talked about that, let me see. Um, so with someone, I know you've had your own eating disorder journey, mm -hmm. right? And could you, mm -hmm. what, what was your eating disorder like? Like, would you give on a, brief preview into that i always find it so hard to like describe this because that's why one of the reasons i wanted to interview you is because mm -hmm. i didn't have bulimia i never was puking my food out but i did other ways to compensate that either mm -hmm. for me it was mostly nine out of ten times just moving a lot or just 
you know, nutrition-wise, calorie-wise, just playing with that. So that was really that part. And I think in Dutch, because I know it in Dutch is NAO, so it's not otherwise specific. Oh my God, my God, my English. But it's <laughs> uh, like, did you, you have all, a little bit of all of them. And that is an eating disorder uh, that is it's standing on itself. So you have a little bit of anorexia, you have a little bit of bulimia, a little bit of binge, uh, binge eating, and that combines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think not otherwise specific, specific. Oh my God. Can you help me with that word? I don't know what that, I know what you're talking about, but I'm also at a loss of words. So okay. I'm just, just not helpful. We just can't help ourselves. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was actually uh, my experience with that. And the thing is that I was so bloody stubborn that I didn't want that label on me back then. And I think back then it was a good choice that I didn't want that label because otherwise they would bring me to places that would only would be with those people. And of course, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but me being vulnerable, I didn't want people to influence me more in a negative way for my eating disorder. So back then I went to the GP and I was like, okay, this is going on. He is like, okay, I think you have this eating disorder. And instead of just going to a clinic, I wanted to have a, a dietitian and just fix it with her and that was it mm-hmm. yeah and then slowly took steps towards recovery yeah. on that and it didn't happen overnight i'm sure mm-hmm. no no hell no yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of time you know an eating disorder takes around seven years to heal and i think it took me six and a half years so actually it's still kind of fresh if i look back to last year but that is because of the post symptoms I still had. And that's why I'm taking it much longer because if I would poorly, uh, like only look at the thoughts, then I could say, you know, they were over somewhere in 2018, but everything, you know, that came after that still with the hormones, still with balancing out, it just take time. It does take time. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I guess like over two years out now, so mine's still pretty fresh. Right. But I, I'm sure there's lingering effects that I just don't know about, you know, like it it depends on how bad it was or whatever. But um, so you work with people with eating disorders as well. What are your, what's your approach to working with someone with an eating disorder? I think one of the most, um, and I'm always saying that I'm, I'm not the most sweetest dietitian when it comes to this. And why? Because when you have somebody that comes uh, at a dietitian and they go away and they say, you know, she's so sweet, she does this and this, but they're still going away without changing something in their food or approach or calorie wise. Uh, I don't think that's very good from the dietitian. So there's a very fine balance there in having a good relationship, but still making sure that the person with the eating disorder goes away there proactive. Mm-hmm. So it can be that, you know, I kind of make a challenge of this from, you know, how are you going to approach this or you think about it as well. It is something that I know that my dietitian would do with me and she knew, you know, for example, that I already did stuff with fitness and stuff like that. So instead of she writing down for me, you know, what, how are you going to do this meal plan? She just shoved paper in front of me and she's like, okay, so now it's your turn, (laughs) write it down. (laughs) And I think those ways, you know, of, um, Challenging somebody in a fun way, but still in a safe way is one of the ways that I approach how to do an eating, you know, get a little bit of uh, motion in the eating disorder in recovery. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an amazing thing to do as a dietitian as well. Because I think people come to coaching or um, a dietitian, they kind of like, please do all the work for me. But with Mm -hmm. eating disorders and just food in general, like if you want to learn how to eat, part of it has to come from you. You have to put forth the effort. And you're right. It is a fine balance with with my clients. I I don't want to be mean, but I also don't want to be their best friend. I I have to push them when it needs to be done. I have to be okay with them not always liking what I have to say, basically. So yeah, I think that was uh, very important because that best friend method, you know, for everybody, something works differently. Uh, I have a friend that is actually a best friend and still uh, needed uh, like uh, nutrition advice to lose weight, for example. And with her, it's just, uh, it's a good thing that works, but it wouldn't work with somebody else. And I purely believe that um, because of having that experienced expert, you already have a bit more of a bond, uh, but you need to keep some distance with that as well, because um, you come to me for advice. I am the professional, so there should be a little bit of a hierarchy in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, now in your own life, let's bring it back. So you work with clients with eating mm-hmm. disorders, you work with clients with a lot of different health problems, just to be clear for everyone listening, she's very mm-hmm. widely ranged, but um for your own eating habits like do you follow a meal plan or is it more natural for you now or what I um (laughs) so funny you're saying that uh back in the day when I needed to recover I followed a meal plan and at some point you let go more because you're making your own character in your way of eating I believe a lot of people that have an eating disorder do not have their own character way of eating because Mm -hmm. the eating disorder is a certain character, certain type, and it isn't them. So how do they eat? Well, maybe it isn't there still. So I developed my new way of eating throughout the years. And for me, I personally do not follow a meal plan. I do not follow rules. I do follow, uh, you know, a certain set of lines that I keep for myself. So I just stay healthy. So for example, I would like to eat two pieces of fruit a day and some veggies, but if it's one piece of food, I'm not going to going to go ballistic and be like, oh my God, you know, it's like tomorrow's the next day yes. and we'll figure it out. So yeah, I don't work with goals either that much because I don't want to be that, oh, I didn't follow the rule. I didn't follow the goal. Now I'm failing. Hmm. Yeah, I listened to your um, New Year's like resolution thing and mm-hmm. you kind of said like, in a way, don't set some goals. And I... Mm-hmm. I, but I knew what you're trying to say. Like people, when they set a goal, then are like, if I don't reach that goal, I am a failure. And it's like, no, what are you doing? Like have a, have something to point towards. And if you don't make it, it's fine. Cause you're still making yeah. progress, but it's like, people yeah. just take it out of context. And that's what I figured. I figured that you like have more guidelines that are just very natural to you. And yeah. if you don't always follow them, that's not a big deal, which is similar I'm still working on incorporating more vegetables in and stuff like that but it's not if I don't eat properly during the day it's not a huge deal right and that that kind of gets into the next question I wanted to ask is like how because you do coach on weight loss and things like that how do you um help people with meal plans and whatnot without letting it completely take over their lives well yeah it's staying near to the person uh personally I like to stay near to them so how what they do And without, I think the funny thing is, it's not really about the meal plan that uh, making sure that it doesn't take over their life. It's about the communication about the meal plan that 
that make sure that it doesn't take over like their life. So giving them the guidelines how to deal with the, the meal plan and then making sure that they don't become that obsessive. So if I would, for example, give you a meal plan, you're like, okay, this is what I got to do. It's almost like an assessment mm -hmm. and I need to follow that. But I didn't give you verbal guidelines how you need to assess that. So that verbal part is the most important part so they don't get obsessive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because it's, I mean, I've seen so many people be like, I have to follow this meal plan or it just... If I don't, then it's a horrible, horrible time. So that's interesting. Um, there's something I want to ask about meal plans. Now my uh, brain is drawing a freaking blank. That's upsetting. Uh, one second. Let me see. Let me read my questions. Let me refer back to it. Okay. So weight loss. So mm -hmm. you, your whole eating disorder journey started with like, I just want to lose a few pounds, which is yeah. very common. <laughs> I was the same with me. I wanted to lose weight when I didn't need to lose weight. Right. Mm -hmm. And just that spirals out of control. So how do you incorporate or teach weight loss again, without it being this all consuming thing? Consuming for me or consuming for them? Let's talk about you and then maybe your clients. Well, the thing is, is that for me personally, um, I just keep it apart and it's so strange because I'll never forget the part it is because something happened that made me like click during my study that it wasn't about me and that was when I met my uh, teacher in down the hallway uh, with the stairs and she was baking a cake and this was I think in the first year of my uh, uh, degree uh, and she was like, okay, I'm going to bake a cake. I'm going to use some eggs, some flour, some sugar. And I was like, why are you using sugar? You're a dietitian. And she was like, I don't need to lose weight. So, you know, F that and <laughs> I'm going to eat that cake and I'm going to make it. And that for me was kind of a clicking point. Like, you know, uh, everything we learn, it, everything like tips and tricks, it has a purpose. But if you are not self needed to lose weight, gain weight or whatever, uh, why bother on uh, taking the advice that isn't needed for you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So for me, it really was that part. And I have helped, you know, people around 300 LBS that really needed to lose some weight. Uh, I've helped people that needed to gain weight, but it's their personal problem. Maybe sounds a little bit mean, but it's their personal problem. And you're asking me for advice, how to deal with that. And because I've experienced both sides, I can help you with that. But mm. I'm not going to make, it would, it would be a little bit strange. Like if I meet, for example, 60 clients, I cannot like take over all those goals that they're doing and feel triggered by eating more or eating less. So that would be crazy. So really keep your journey and goals for yourself i mean if i want to eat two pieces of fruit a day and my client is already happy with one he shouldn't be like um how would you say that uh feeling insecure that he's doing a bad job because mm -hmm. he, he never maybe ate a piece of fruit regular or like one a week so he already is in progress right yeah he's it's about little changes and also to agree, like you do work with a lot of clients. It's like, not all of them, you can be completely focused on those personal goals and whatnot. Not everyone's trying to lose weight. I guess I've got a question to be asked. So did you, did you try to lose weight at all after eating disorder recovery or no? Uh, this is a funny thing. Um, at some point, of course, you know, getting into my eating disorder was because of losing weight. Then when I relapsed, I lost the weight 
a part of the way that I gained back again. Then at some point, because of the hormones, I got the binges. Then I gained a lot of weight. And in that a lot of weight phase, I was really like, okay, I cannot do this anymore. I do not care if I am 20 pounds heavier, 10 pounds heavier. I just do not care anymore. I just want to live and do my thing. So out of that, I think breakdown uh, came so much uh, rest and not being busy with it that eventually my pattern started becoming regular again. And that's how I actually lost the pounds without really being focused on it. Okay, so it just kind of happened naturally. It yeah. kind of happened naturally. And the funny thing is, is that I nowadays for the past maybe like one and a half, two years, eat more than ever like before per day. And it's just perfectly in balance. And it's just funny how to see that the diet culture of, I'm just going to name some calories, 1200 calories, or you name it, that how it can ruin your metabolism. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You start getting used to that, slows it down because your body wants to just conserve energy, right? Yeah. Um, and I love that you said that, that you just lost, lost weight naturally because I, um, so after my own recovery, I did try to lose weight and I did lose weight purposely. I lost about like 15 pounds or whatever, but then I stopped losing weight and I just kind of like, I'm going to fully eat intuitively. Um, I intuitively lost weight to a degree. It wasn't like I was counting calories. I was just kind of feeling my hunger cues and Mm -hmm. trying to be more hungry, but being okay with that, that kind of stuff. But then when I kind of just was like, all right, now I'm fine. I'm just going to eat intuitively kind of surrender that a little bit. And my weight has balanced out so much more and I'm able to maintain a very healthy weight for me. And it's not this tooth and nail kind of fight anymore, which is amazing. And I think people fear, they're like, oh, if I give up bulimia, especially, or like this restriction, I will just gain a ton of weight. And it's like, actually the the restriction might be causing you to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And if you let it go, it's a longer journey, but you might actually lose weight. It's not the goal, but you might actually lose weight naturally. And people don't believe that. It's one of the things that I always said to myself when I, at some point was done with all those binges. And, you know, I was like, okay, you're going to eat this now in the evening. It's maybe three or 400 calories more than you were like uh, happy with. But remember, if, if you do not do this after two days, there's maybe waiting 4,000 calories for you. So you better eat this because otherwise the, the impact will be much bigger. And that really helped me uh, getting my food stable again. And even when like a binge happened, at some point they just become smaller. And I know for the people who are listening to this, because I have listened 10,000, wrote 10,000 articles about this. And every time when the people who were recovered said, you know, it just happened and the weight just went off or I stay stable. I was like, what kind of sorcery is this? You, know? <laughs> you don't believe them. You think they're liars. You don't believe them. And that is until you just go cold turkey and start trusting yourself and start distrusting all the rules you made uh, that you'll get the progress. Mm-hmm. I found that the only way I was able to do that was to be like, you know, whatever happens, I, I love myself because I, like you said, I had a moment of like, I'm so sick of this. I'm wasting mm-hmm. my life. It's, yeah. I just would rather be happy being overweight at this point than Definitely. continue with this. It's like, you just get to a point, but people are so unwilling to let that go. And I mean, um, if I had to do it all over again and I don't know if I had to be so much heavier, like, of course I'd be like, well, I mean, I didn't really want to do that, but I still could love myself at both ends mm-hmm. of the spectrum, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
It's huge. Um, well, to all you guys listening out there, it is possible. And I think people either think you're a liar or they think it worked for you, but it isn't going to work for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that is the whole problem with this. You know, it's like um, if you haven't tried fully or haven't trust yourself fully, um, it, it may be, you know, it's going to be harder for it not to happen. But what I already had, like, I do not know how many times you binge. I couldn't even count like how many times I'm like guessing like three or 400 times just like that and I said to myself there will come a day that this number 301 or number 302 uh, will become smaller and eventually it would it won't be there so it really is trying again and trial error and I think most important is every binge that you have will say something about how the day went and the decisions you made. Something was off on the way you treated yourself. And it need to reflect on what went wrong. Did you stay up too late? Did you work too hard? Didn't you have any me time? Did you were planning, you know, on having a shower and you skipped that and now you feel drained and that's why you yeah. yeah. People don't it's like a, it's a symptom of you not taking care of yourself. Definitely. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. And it's also just a symptom of not feeling your emotions in the moment I even say like it's even the urge to binge is just a feeling and like if you're not dealing with that that's a symptom of you not taking care of yourself it's it's just like that that could be the simplest answer for you but you gotta take care of you and it will eventually get better too you're right yeah um so I heard you mention extreme hunger and I'd love to Mm -hmm. ask for about that like how did you deal with extreme hunger um it came to me at a point that i was on one of my lower well actually it was it was kind of complex so um i dropped a significant amount of weight and just for the listeners i won't tell it maybe because it's triggering um and my dad was like okay girl you really need to eat something now and i still remember that he like uh, got some fresh salmon and he made it and i ate that and it wasn't like all the other stuff that I ate because it was so limited. It was uh, high in calories. It was fatty. It was something your body needs. And my body caught up to that. So at some point uh, there actually that triggered the extreme hunger because my body was sensing, oh, there's some real food getting in, you know, not the low calorie, not the sweetener stuff and you name it. And when that happened and still, still today, I, really can say that I fear extreme hunger that is something that is so crazy uh, but it did help me to survive so I am very thankful for that but um, my experience with that was it happened at some point I gained a lot of weight Uh, then it kind of stabilized then I went to the dietitian and then it stabilized stabilized until I relapsed and then it came back again wow wow what was on I'm not, I don't think I've ever experienced extreme hunger. And I think if you have, you probably will know. Um, but could you describe what made you exactly know that you had extreme hunger? Um, because I could not decide if I would eat or would not eat. <laughs> that was not up to me. It wasn't up to my brain. It was something my body wanted. So that's a very, like talking about outer body experience, for me personally, that was extreme hunger. I could eat and I really passed out, I think once. Um, so that was how bad it was. And I, it, yeah, it, it is very, I think um, I sometimes read like the, 
researches back in the time when people were, for example, in Auschwitz. At mm -hmm. some point, they also dealt with extreme hunger, but because they weren't fed uh, by the Germans, uh, their hunger diminished at all. You know, it could diminish and be very low, and their met metabolic rate would be very low. So uh, I was still in the beginning part of that malnutrition uh, part, and every food it could have, it would get. So I, I, summing it up, it is a very much of an outer body experience and it is something I still find very fearful. And it, I think it would be one of the biggest reasons if I would ever relapse, why I will not want to relapse and would do anything to not get back to that state. Yeah, to that point where you just feel like you have no control. It's, it's interesting because I think I need to do more research on that because I always tell people like they they do have control. And I think that's a big switch people make in bulimia is once they realize they no one forces them to put the food in the mouth, they they actually have control. But with extreme hunger, it almost says like you felt like you didn't have any control anymore. So binge eating uh, is still way more in control than extreme hunger. Okay. Way it's a very big difference. Uh, as in binge eating, I would tell myself, for example, okay, you just take one or, you know, tomorrow we'll pick it up again. And with extreme hunger, it was just the whole day eating, 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 because your body basically doesn't trust you. And if there's food around, they it will make sure that it has as much as possible it can take uh, to get you through to the next day. Yeah, because you need to survive, basically. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense that in concentration camps, they it would dimin diminish because there's literally no food, right? So it's like, literally is no food. Yeah. So for me personally, I have some Jewish heritage, but that comes from uh, Eastern Europe, so Eastern Asia. And um, they didn't have that. So they're very lucky. But reading into it also because of like Minnesota experiments, like the people of the Minnesota experiments, uh, they got the extreme hunger because they were still in the more lively phase. But at some point, it just, it isn't impossible. It is impossible. And even with extreme hunger, um, when you have that, and that's why it's so dangerous, is your vitamins are often not in balance. So if you start eating large amount of foods, it can be very dangerous because uh, you can get a cardiac arrest. Yeah, I it's because if you're extremely underweight, there's a certain, you don't want to eat too much food as well because there's a yeah. danger there, like you're saying, yeah. And I've read the Minnesota experiment too. It's crazy. This The people were all healthy before, you know, um, they're all, if you guys haven't heard of it, it's basically these collection of men that in the 19... 50s I think I don't know how long ago it was but they were perfectly healthy fit young I think they're all in their like 20s and 30s and then they uh, were put on a starvation diet and they just watched kind of what happened with that and all of them pretty much reported like they either gained a bunch of weight after or like food obsession all these weird things and this was also interesting because it wasn't the age of technology so it wasn't like they had Instagram affecting yeah. them it's just like very bare bones. This still happens to humans, no matter what kind of the influential things are going on outside. And it's something, you know, after the period of the study, they still uh, had a long time of being overweight, although they weren't before that, just because of their body not trusting them. And that's something that I've experienced as well. Although I gained weight, it wasn't enough and I needed to gain more uh, to gain that trust back. And I know a lot of people know about the set point and Back in my day, I was very afraid that I would go pass over my set point and would be 
chubby forever. Uh, but your body, if you give it enough time and enough fuel and rest, it will go mostly back to your original set point or right around it. But it's just having that trust in yourself that it's going to be okay. And that is so hard. <laughs> so, so yeah. hard. You have to be unconditional with yourself, which is, it's very hard. And I think that's why for me, when in my recovery, when I cleared up my mental thoughts, that made it so much easier and so much quicker honestly, mm -hmm. to recover because I was like, I'm here for it no matter what. I'm, I'm down for it. You know, I can't live this way anymore. So let's move forward. And um, I also was never severely underweight, which looking back on hindsight, I always, always used to feel bad because I'm like, oh, I wasn't ever underweight. My eating disorder wasn't that bad, even though it was. And it's like, no, it's, you're probably pretty lucky that you were at times overweight instead of underweight because that mm -hmm. seems to have some pretty bad effects long-term. So as I you're think, saying. you know, both sides aren't pretty as in both yes. sides are hurting themselves, but I often see in the side of lower weights that they're proud on themselves what they achieved. Mm -hmm. um, I luckily didn't have that uh, because I was really sad. I didn't find myself in any way attractive. Um, I felt my ugliest when I was at my lowest weight mm -hmm. uh, just because I saw the joy getting out of my eyes. It's something that I think the dietitian back then said also. Uh, I really was, when I started with her, I had this death glance in my eyes and basically because I was near to death. And eventually when we, when I gained weight and, you know, starting feeling more confident again, because I was getting my curves, well, curves for my body, <laughs> getting it back again, uh, I was just way more happier. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a thought that I know that there's out there. I cannot fully connect to that, uh, but I can definitely connect to that because I've seen with clients when clients were very severe overweight and they, I finally are thin and then become more thinner. They have this um, being proud of that. And I've seen that before. So that's something for me that is more manageable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, and it's interesting. I love that you said, like, I didn't feel great. And partly because it's like, yeah, your health was like going down and down and down, but also you just didn't feel as good. It wasn't like that thinness achieved your happiness or anything. So not a very important all. distinction. Um, well, thank you. That extreme hunger thing was really enlightening for me, quite honestly, because I, I haven't heard described so well as you described it. So thank you. Um, I think there, and we'll probably should wrap it up because we're getting closer to time on this. Um, so I think the last question I guess I have for you is with someone who is seeking seeking help from maybe a dietitian, like when should they go see someone like you? Well, I find that very hard because um, I think the moment you feel that something is off and something doesn't sit right on the way you treat yourself or the way you treat your food, you should go and check out what is possible uh, either online or with your GP. The thing is, is that everybody has their own threshold in what they want to start out with. I could not start out in the clinic because I would become aggressive as hell because I do not like that environment. So I wouldn't be uh, proactive in that environment to heal. Mm -hmm. So um, it really depends on a person. But if you feel that something is off, react to that and seek the help that you find fitting for you. And I know a lot of parents, for example, they're like, oh my God, my, my child has an eating disorder, just put them in a clinic. 
listen to them, you know, what works out for them. And if they do not succeed that first time, okay, maybe then the clinic is, for example, an option of, or if they start out with a dietitian uh, and it isn't good, seek other options. There's so many options out there. And it's something that also like with values, um, sometimes I find it very hard. For example, if somebody reach out to you, but uh, I just stated it before we like uh, started this interview, I have some rules on uh, people that like uh, come for help because there should be a certain, uh, how would you say that uh, healthy uh, for me personal because I'm yes. working online. Uh, mm -hmm a base of person that I can work with that is, for example, has a certain BMI or just to keep also the coach or the dietitian safe with not doing ethical work. Mm -hmm. So I, I should not, um, and in general, how, I'm not coming out of my words with this one, but- um, It's like, you don't want to work with someone who's out of your scope of practice. That's- Yes, definitely. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I think uh, next to that feeling, if you feel something is off, always work uh, with more than just one person. I think that's very yeah. important because uh, maybe the coach has a certain insight, maybe the dietitian, but what you are seeking is actually knowledge and different people that are different tools for you for recovery. And everybody has something different to say. And maybe how bigger that group is, how more there will be words that will resonate with you. So recovery is more possible. Mm -hmm. so, that is very important. Uh, from out of the dietitian field, uh, I at least get to learn here in the Netherlands that we need to work multidisciplinary. So with a psychologist, with a dietitian, maybe, you know, family. So it can be a very supportive group for a person in recovery. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, none of us have all the answers are going to get different opinions from different people. And like you've said many times now, like, um, different things work for different people too. Like one of my clients, she is just wrapping up working with me and she's actually gonna go see a trauma expert coach next, which I'm so happy for her because it's like, yeah, it's something that I don't have expertise in. And I think it'd be incredibly helpful for you and just like add that layer of support group. And mm -hmm. I think it's right that you brought up oftentimes people with eating disorders, it's great to have multiple points. If you have the dietitian, you have the therapist and the coach and whatever works for you, but it would be ideal if everyone could have all those things. But of course that's hard yeah. too sometimes. It's hard too sometimes. And that's why I'm like, if you're starting out and you find like a coach or dietitian that you click with, just even start there. And eventually if it is possible to get a more broad uh, help spectrum for you, uh, just do that because there should be some type of help at least. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what's so nice about the fact that we both do podcasts because um, mm -hmm. when I was going through my eating disorder, finding a therapist felt very hard and I couldn't afford it as well um, at the time. I couldn't be like financially responsible enough to afford it. I don't know the difference, but mm -hmm. um, basically I was like, I don't know these people and this consult fee is already expensive. Like what if we don't click and we do a podcast so people can get to know us and yeah. guys that are listening, if you like Queenie or you like me on the podcast, then like that means that you probably would click with us in person. Maybe, you know, I think so as well. You know, when I, and I think that's one of the biggest things because I'm talking about 2014 and I just did a podcast with this girl Arda where she interviewed me because I had a lot of contact with her as well. So I kind of combined the dietitian with her. Uh, because she was talking about periods and that was the main thing that I came for but eventually I started more doing with the weight gaining with the dietitian and learning more with the periods from Audra and um, it just you know 
it was so although the internet is full of, uh, full of information it was so poorly uh, fed with information about this so i'm very happy that we do this nowadays to give people the right information so they don't fell you know in a black hole with i have a problem but i do not know how to fix it mm-hmm. uh, yeah i was trying to look up like some sort of health problem I had the other day. And I was like, all right, I guess I have cancer always. Like, it's just like the most extreme (laughs) thing in the world. And it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. The medical, I think what we're, we were talking about this before the podcast, but I think what we're doing is cool because we have a little bit of a non-traditional approach to um, the issues going on. And I think that's what I was watching this therapist on YouTube and he was like this, the therapy realm needs an overhaul and it needs something because Mm -hmm. there's this problem of the fact that there's too many people that need therapy, right? So what we're doing to podcast, the membership, I think it's it's amazing. And I applaud you for doing that. <laughs> really, and I think that's a little emphasized, but I do know everybody is different, of course. But for me, uh, I had a dietitian and I still cannot pinpoint it if she had any experiences with this because she was a little bit vague about that, but I'm kind of guessing she did. But having uh, somebody who has experience with the problems uh, is so damn important because I had a first dietitian that didn't know anything about it and she was measuring me up the first time and I felt Mm. so out of my zone and I just felt violated because I didn't even say you know you can touch me and you can you know measure my arm for example she just Um, went ahead and did it that's weird she just went ahead and did it so I was like oh my god you know uh so really uh I I think it's very suiting to have at least somebody that knows uh what you've been through Mm mm-hmm yeah, they have. Um, it's not that someone can't handle it. I don't want to like put experts under the rug who haven't had an eating disorder, haven't had this. Mm-hmm. Like they, they can do it, but um, it helps to know that someone's been there. It's like, it's also, you don't feel as judged too, which is helpful. Yeah. Um, all right. I feel like we could talk forever. So, and actually after this podcast, Queenie's interviewing me. So, um, but thank you for being on the show. I think a lot of the listeners found it very helpful and you brought to things like things that I don't have as much expertise in. So where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at imstuff.nl and that's the website where I work with the memberships and you can find out, you know, what I uh, do. I do more than eating disorders like you just mm-hmm. did, like weight gain, weight loss, uh, chronic diseases. You can find me on Instagram at, at imstuff underscore com, and I'm doing YouTube since recently, since one week. Uh, so I'm very fresh with that and I kind of found that nerve-wracking um, but at the end of the day I know that I eventually am going to be a fully uh, self-employed person so I'm like you know if my boss my future boss doesn't want to hire me because of that then you know then that's not important yeah <laughs> so um, yeah actually though no. so that's called I'm stuff YouTube and uh, yeah I'm just happy with things I do and can help out Awesome. I love that. That's so simple. Also, I was checking out your website. She has a lot of cool stuff on there. Very nice looking website. And then um, you had kind of an eating disorder meal plan as well. And then I thought it was great that you had religious meal plan. So it's like yeah. within the bounds of that, which so for you guys that have certain religions, go check out her website. I think um, it's very inclusive as well like that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for being on the show, Queenie. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out the Binge Breakers Recovery course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com 
slash recovery dash course.